The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working every single week to make sure that you get the best information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're going to talk about some things that aren't exactly directly real estate related. They're more like mindset and getting out of your own way and, you know, how do successful people get successful sorts of things, including why introverts might be better investors than extroverts. Before we go to that quick announcement, um, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati and CORE have their monthly online combined meeting tomorrow night. That is Thursday night, May the 20th. It's a really interesting one because it is real estate shark tank. Dun it, dun it, dun it, dun it, dun it, dun it. You've all seen that TV show, right? Not not Jaws, Shark Tank. The one where like people with money stand there and listen to people who have businesses they want funded, funded. That's It's just like that, except the folks who are standing there have deals they want funded. So... Uh, it's an interesting way to watch conversations that normally kind of happen privately. Like I, y'all, y'all all know, I hope that most real estate investors get most of their short-term funding from other real estate investors, right? That's just kind of that kind of how the business is. Uh, but mostly, you don't get to be in on those conversations. They're happening, you know, over over lunch or on the phone or something. And this is an opportunity to see both. How people uh, pitch for money, how they how they come and say, here's why you should fund my deals, and also how many people think about those deals. Because just like on the TV show, some deals will get funded, some deals will get turned down, it'll be explained why they got turned down, and some of them will... Um, some of the some of the folks who are uh, presenting deals will be, be, get sent back to renegotiate their deals so that somebody wants to fund it. So interesting experience to be actually able to see that you know, in public, as it were, on Zoom, as opposed to uh, just hearing people talk about it. Uh, if you're not sure how any of that short-term funding stuff works, at 6 o'clock at the early meeting, we're going to talk about the different forms of private funding, private loans, hard money loans, participation loans, options, partnerships. Uh, so that's kind of a, a primer for folks who want to listen to the 7.30 part, but aren't going to understand what's being offered because they don't know what a participating mortgage is, for instance. So how do you join in from any place in the United States? That's pretty easy. You go to CincinnatiRIA.com, CincinnatiRIA.com. 
you click on that little link on the front page that says register here and then you <laughs> go and register <laughs> it'll it'll uh, give you the opportunity to sign yourself in if you are a first time guest or of course a member you will uh, be just given a pass if you have joined us before. Um, it's probably actually time to just join the group because the meeting's going to cost you 35 bucks, but a membership only costs you $25 a month. So again, that's com Shark Tank tomorrow night. Today is one of our X-Factor Investor meetings where uh, we, you know, talk to somebody who's done something interesting and done it successfully and done it for a lot of years and talk to them about how in the world they managed to do it when so many other people start down that path and then give up really early. Uh, today's guest is particularly interesting. Um, she is a native Ohioan born in uh, Canton, grew up in Massillon, then went off to the University of Florida to get her bachelor's degree and then went to law school at UNC Chapel Hill. So uh, became an attorney and started practicing in North Carolina back in 94. So there you go. Full time job right there. Right. Be, a, be, a, be an attorney. Specializing in, you know, real estate stuff, working with investors, all of that sort of thing. But that's not enough. We can't, we can't, we can't just be a full-time attorney when we have entrepreneurial AD&D, ADD. She also, uh, is the owner of, uh, one, two, three, four, five businesses outside of real estate, holds shares in a distillery, a brewery, a special event company, a hot rod magazine, an online accommodation company, and is a rental housing provider, an Airbnb host, and a rehabber. Oh, and in her spare time, she's also the president of Triangle Real Estate Investors Association in the Raleigh area. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate, Kathy Russell. Well, thank you, Vina. It's a pleasure to be here. I- I'm exhausted just reading your little bio here. I mean, I thought I had my fingers in a lot of pies. And you have like f- five different maybe 10 different kind of unrelated businesses. How in the world did this happen to you? Was this on purpose or did you just like keep waking up some mornings and going, Oh, look, I started another business. (laughs) Kind of. Well, you know, I'd like to know if this is being recorded because you called me interesting and I want to have proof to my kids that I haven't been lying to them all these years. <laughs> because they, don't take, because you they don't think I'm interesting at all. Because you because you um, couldn't get them to listen because mom's not yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's being recorded. I'll I'll take that clip out and I'll and I'll cool. send it to you. Oh yeah. Also, Kathy Russell is super cool. She's one of the coolest women I know. Yes. There you go. All right. Now now I'm prepared. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, uh, no, it's, it's all accidental. And I mean, mo- most of those things that you named off, I'm not involved in. I just sort of have an interest in. And I, uh, some, some of them I got into because sort of a client of the law firm came to me and said, hey, I want to start this venture and I need XYZ in legal work, but I, I don't really have money. <laughs> so would you maybe do this work and, um, take a little piece of the business oh and geez i probably forgot the most interesting one which i just remembered which is a cannabis business in the, in california <laughs> but you know i i've never said no to that i i don't i always figured i don't have anything to lose but my time and uh it would have to be a really really just 
thing I would be sure would fail for me to say no. So I think I've always said yes, and and that's how I ended up with a little piece of all those businesses. And I don't, they don't, they don't take up my time. Uh, my time is taken up by, well, it's mostly been primarily by practicing law. Uh, a few years ago, well, about eight years ago, I started managing bands, which is now competing for my time a lot. Um, but I, I tell you, I've, I've made a lot of interesting discoveries during COVID. And um, one of those is that why in the world did I ever, which I've done this for 20-something years since 1994, go sit at an office every day from, you know, 8.30 to 5.30 and and feel like I had to do that when during the COVID lockdown, I sat here by my pool and got every bit as much work done as I ever did sitting at the office. But what I, what I, I, I get sidetracked easily. Um, uh, what I started to say was that the third thing that takes up my time is, is of course the real estate investing, which is, is my big love. Mm-hmm. I've always been really scared to give up the law side because I just feel like that's my security, and I, I have three kids. One just graduated from college. One has one year to go, and one is just starting. So I'm close to, to being able to give up that security blanket. I, I'm their sole source of tuition. I don't I don't have help, so I've always felt like I can't. And it's, it's stupid, I know, but I, I, I'm afraid to take that leap and just let, leave it behind completely. Mm-hmm. But what COVID did for me, and when I was doing my my latest flip, for for I don't know the last oh maybe eight or so years, I haven't done any rehabbing. I've I've just I have a real estate problem. I have trouble getting rid of it, so I I keep it. I'm landlord or Airbnbs. But I decided to do a flip early this year, and I would find myself going there on a Monday. You know, to you know, I, I like to do some of the work myself, so. I'd be there on a Monday, like, you know, taking down light fixtures. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm not in the office and it's a Monday. And like, like the sky is going to fall. But you know what? It didn't. And I've, I've, I've slowly been freeing myself from that thing of sitting in the office all the time. And, like, yes, you can go to your rehab and work there. You don't have to do it on weekends. What a dumb thought that ever was. So, you know, it's a process, but I'm getting there. Wow, so much to unpack there, but we need to we need to take a quick break. Uh, before I do that, I want to invite listeners to give us a call or send email an email with any questions that you might have for Kathy. She is actually a very experienced landlord and rehabber. Uh, got into Airbnbs a few years back, and of course is you know, clearly a serial entrepreneur with a lot of different interests as well. You can call us at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to X-Factor investor Kathy Russell, who has kept a full-time, not really, I guess a job, sort of a, sort of a career uh, as an attorney while at the same time starting multiple businesses, investing in other people's businesses, uh, buying rentals, getting into Airbnbs, I mean, and, and raising three kids, by the way. <laughs> like, like, that's not a full-time job also. 
uh, all by itself. And we're, we're sort of just kind of talking today about what allowed her to do all that, what, what led her to do all that, how she manages all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and we've already, Kathy, sort of left swipe some of these businesses because you said, you know, basically you, you, you've got entrepreneurial with your law clients. And what I gather happened is you said, well, I won't charge you for the legal work, but I want a piece of the business in return for the yes, legal work. Yes, exactly. And and in in the case of some of those businesses, I I'm I'm kind of like the squirrel, you know. I'm I'm scattered, and I, I'm the big picture person, not the detail person. So some of those businesses also, most of them were as you described, but in some cases, I I had. I, oh God, I have so many business ideas, you know, if I'm just convinced that the only thing stopping me from being, you know, Jeff Bezos or something is just <laughs> lack of time and resources. But in some of those cases, I would, I, I thought of a business and sort of pitched it to someone and handed it off and kept a little piece. But, but yeah, um, it, it's just, a you know, I, I don't, I don't really know how I got there. Not, not being smart enough to, to stop, I think. <laughs> Well, the reason the reason I particularly wanted to have you come on amongst, you know, all the all the folks who pitch me on the idea of I should come on the show. And by the way, I had to pursue Kathy. She didn't like come to me and say, I would be so great on your show. Like I had to go after her and say, you know, you should do this. It'll be great. Um, Is because a lot of people have what you're describing. A, a lot of people go into real estate because they have what you're describing, which I call entrepreneurial ADD. Like shiny stars are so interesting to them that they just run off after every single one of them. But for most folks, that's a handicap. That's a failure. Like they never, they never actually do anything because they're trying to do everything. You went after these things and then also successfully made them happen. Uh, not maybe, maybe in your world, you would rather be totally running all of these, but they all happened and you're making money from all of them. You've seen 10,000 new real estate investors in your life. I mean, you've been with uh, Triangle Ria for years. You've seen this, you've seen what I'm talking about. What do you think made you able to actually implement where so many people can't. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's probably the best description I've ever heard of it on entrepreneurial ADD. That's pretty awesome. I, I don't exactly know. I would say for one thing is a really important part is what you just mentioned. I have seen so many new investors across the table from me. And in the early years, I, I did free consultations for investors. First of all, you know, I could talk about real estate with anyone all day long. And, and so I just felt like it was kind of criminal to charge for it. Like, <laughs> I love it, you know. Um, but the reason I ultimately did start charging a consult for those new investors is because I always thought, hey, you don't get them, get them in here, help them, teach them, and they'll, they'll become your clients. You know, it, it'd be crazy to charge for it. You're sort of building your own, you know, future client base here. But just what you said is so accurate. What I found was that that was not true at all. And I started sort of keeping a mental tally. And, you know, probably for every, and this is probably even on the low side, but for every 20 
new investors who sat across from me at that table, I would ever maybe see one back. Mm. And I started studying that pretty closely and, and you know, sussed out that it's the ones who, who don't have the stars in their eyes, who don't see someone making $50,000 on a TV show and think they're going to go duplicate that. It's the ones who systematically treat it like a job, even if they have another full-time job. You know, they come home at night. Uh, they spend their time looking for properties, and they don't give up. And I think that, more than anything, inspired me because I, you know, was an investor early, early on in my 20s, um, really scattershot with no consistency. But, but when I started seeing that, that's when I think I learned to become more serious and systematic about it and just 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 pursue it with more discipline. And and that does make all the difference. Hmm. So all those free consults were worth it to you because they taught you what not to do. Absolutely. And that's <laughs> huge value in that. Yeah, there, there really is. So um, let's talk just a little bit about your real estate business. I mean, that's not really the topic today. It's more like, you know, how, how do you think and how do you do things and, and, and we're going to get around to why you think introverts make better investors here in a moment too. But in your in your uh, rental housing slash Airbnb and now back to rehab retail business, is there is there a particular um, way that you pursued that? Like like have, did you decide uh, fairly early on that you wanted certain kinds of properties in certain kinds of areas that rented for certain amounts of money, or has it been more of like developing likes and dislikes. Like you tried a bunch of stuff and then said, okay, this is what I like and I'm doing it from now on. Yeah, it was definitely more of that. Um, I guess about, oh, 15, 18 years ago, I sort of inadvertently through a client who wholesaled a deal to me, got into, um, smaller single family houses in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is 10 miles down the road from me and which as you probably know is a, is a huge college town and and that, you know, I just love that niche. Oh my gosh, you know, perfect. So I had so many houses there and and bought them up and bought them, sorry, and fixed them up and um kept them. I didn't ever sell any of those ultimately. Um that that business model got sort of crushed and, and divorced and um well i'm not going to go into this because it's too long of a story probably for your radio show but in in 2008 i got the equivalent of three divorces oh and by the way june of 08 june of 08 one month um the same month that the the market was tanking i got a divorce from my you know husband and my law partner stole forty thousand dollars and took off and my rehab partner, who I would sort of find the properties, um, buy them, and I was, just gave him the money because I trusted him. I'd been working with him for a long time. He was a young, kind of charming guy, and he'd fix them up. And, oh, while he was there, he'd meet the college students and, and rent them, you know. Mm-hmm. So we sort of formed a partnership. He uh, apparently was um, having an affair and uh, uh, left his wife and left town with a whole bunch of my money. So in June of 2008, my previous model sort of came crashing to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had to rebuild from that. And, and, and I don't 
really have any properties in Chapel Hill anymore. Um, so I, it, it, it did sort of develop from likes and dislikes. I did really like that college market. But man, the neighborhoods I was buying in back then for, you know, under a hundred thousand are, are like in the three hundred thousands now. So, so that wasn't really for me. I've always uh, most of my rentals are, you know, on the the smaller end. They're not they're not three, four, five hundred thousand dollar houses. They're one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollar houses. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that. So you had a particularly bad con- confluence of events at a particularly bad time. <laughs> if, that had, if that had happened to, uh, in '04, you would have had three years to recover from it before the market crash. But yeah. the, the timing was bad. But um, th- that th- that is an actually actually an interesting point for all of our listeners. You know, most of the really successful real estate investors I know, the ones who have been at it for many many years, do do very well in it have some story like that where something happened where a huge chunk of their assets, their customers, their money what was taken from them was um you know stolen by a partner was uh something bad happened like the number of people i know who are you know everybody looks at them and goes okay that's what i want to be if you sit them down and give them a glass of wine We'll tell you about their bankruptcy. We'll tell you about their uh, the time that they got in hock $300,000 to the IRS because they couldn't pay their bills because their much-trusted uh, bookkeeper stole all their money and fled to a non-extradition country or something. So even even folks who have been in the business for a while very often experience things like you did, but then they pick themselves up and dust themselves off and use what they learned that got them there in the first place to get back there pretty quickly. I mean, how, how long did it take you before you felt like, okay, I got everything settled. I'm starting to rebuild my portfolio. Things will be okay. That's a great question and a great observation. Uh, in my case, it, it, once I started, it didn't take long at all. It was as much getting my confidence back as anything else. I, that was a bad few years and I was bruised and battered. And I'd say it was a good two, three, I gosh, maybe even four years where I did, I didn't do anything. I, I was just, including really network a lot with my contacts. I just sort of put my head in my shell like a turtle, put my nose to the grindstone. I knew, you know, luckily I still had the law firm. Although we were a real estate firm, and that wasn't a very good few years for that either. Uh, luckily, we were a little diversified. We did other things. I had a law partner at the time who, uh, not not the one who left and stole money from me, another one who did family law, and, and that stuff never goes out of style. I luckily did, you know, some business and corporate stuff. So I just got through, and, and I the, I didn't even think about investing for a while there. Now, I didn't lose everything. I, I think there were two two of my rentals that, you know, weren't weren't discovered um in the divorce was uh one that was in the mountains of North Carolina and one that I actually owned with a partner. So yeah, I, I managed to hang on to two of them. Uh some of the stuff in Chapel Hill I was able to sell. Uh, so so I had that and I just, you know, 
kept that, didn't think about it. It just, just kept going. And, and I, I wish I could really remember how it was that I got the confidence to start again. I actually, I might, someone, someone brought me a deal which, which they tried to sell me and it wasn't worth the value. And I said, no, I didn't even counter or try to do anything creative. Um, that person came back to me a couple months later. It turns out that they were uh, actually a member of our RIA, which I didn't even know. And they were, they had tried, they were like trying to wholesale. They, they weren't the owner uh, and they had dropped the price substantially. Um, I think they started at a hundred thousand. They came back to me at like 80. I said, no, again, they said, what did you do? 70. I went and looked at it again. It needed a bunch of work. I said, I wouldn't do it for anything more than what they owe on the mortgage, which was something like 58. Uh, another couple months went by and they called me up and said, okay, please take it off my hands for, <laughs> for the 58. And it was a sub two. So I didn't pay anything. So again, how much safer can you be? Right. I wasn't <laughs> going out on a limb here. Okay. I took over the mortgage payment. It, it turned out, you know, I, I had planned to put 30,000 into it. it. It was older, just sort of cosmetic stuff, um, HVAC roof and uh, new flooring paint, some appliances. Well, when I got into putting the flooring down, every single floor joist was rotten. So uh, the, the whole 30000 was spent on, you know, um, floor joist, roof, HVAC, it, stuff that didn't really improve the appearance, which meant that this house was priced out of its market for what I put in it. I couldn't, you know, sell it and make anything because I didn't do the cosmetic upgrades. So I rented it and I still have it today. But what I think that quirky little transaction did for me was was to give me my confidence back, saying, oh, man, I, I can still do this. And look, it, I didn't lose everything. It. I didn't screw it up. And I and here I am. And after that one, it just I just I just kept going. And and thank God, because it, it was a horrible thing to, to feel that that lack of confidence. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I believe we need to take another quick break. I swear, listeners, when we get back, we're going to ask Kathy why she thinks that introverts actually have a an advantage over extroverts in the real estate investing business. In the meantime, if you have any questions for Kathy, you can call 877-772-9658 and ask them on the air. That's 877-772-9658. Or you can send them to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today, Kathy Russell, president of the Triangle Real Estate Investors Association in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, how's how's the group doing right now, Kathy? You guys meeting online still? Or are you getting toward live meetings? What do you? What's the plan there? All of our subgroups are live um, as of right now, and we are going to have our first main meeting live in June. Oh, in June, great. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of groups are going back to live now, and so it's a it's a new struggle, right? We all had to struggle to get online a year ago, and now we're all now we're all going. What's going to happen when we go back live? So, good luck with that. And uh, what is the what is the email or what's the website for that group in case there's folks in the Raleigh area who didn't know about you and are now going to be screaming into the phone? How do I get a How do I get oh. that group? Yes, please. You need to know about us. It's Tria, T-R-E-I-A dot com. Tria dot and com. even if you're not in Raleigh, we have an online membership. Uh, when we go back live, we have 
decided that we have three meetings that are going to remain virtual. Um, one which we totally copied from Vina, which we call PREP, Practical Real Estate Projects, and we sort of take a um, a topic and and do it in the most basic way along with you and help you do it. In fact, we have one of those tonight on setting up your entity. Hmm. Nice. That's a good one. I'm stealing that since you stole the idea of setting up, setting we, up we your totally entity. Owe you. <laughs> totally owe you that idea, so please feel free. Um, okay, so um, one of the things when we were when we were talking through doing this show that you just you said it kind of like kind of like it was nothing. You just you said you know I really think introverts maybe have an advantage over extroverts in the real estate business. And the funny thing is you are an extrovert, okay? So so this is an observation that you're making about other people. And since half the country is introverts and since every introvert I know who starts to get into the real estate business says, oh, I'm really worried about doing this because I'm an introvert, I think you need to explain yourself. <laughs> I, I understand you are an introvert. I am. And that's... Sort of that. Well, no, not sort of. That's where I got the idea because I was speaking on your panel of enders at, at your um, summit, your convention, and that question came up. And I don't remember the exact question, but a a short discussion of it ensued. And it, it wasn't the main topic, so I didn't want to waste time on it. But I just kept I just kept thinking about it um, because. You know, for example, I know you, Vina, through the Real Estate Mastermind, and not that we're together that often, but every time we are, I think to myself, oh, my God, this is the most creative person I know. And, you know, if she did not have the success she had, she should definitely be a marketing person because she'd be a genius. And so so subsequently, when I have all my whacked out business ideas, some of them I think, oh God, you know, I could, I call Vina and and or email Vina and see what she thinks about that. And this is just how my mind works at all times about a lot of people. And I, I'm constantly having to tell myself, you know, you, you don't really want these people to know that you're insane. And not everybody really, um, you know, wants to be engaged on that level. So please give people their space and you know, like. Keep your crazy under wraps a little bit. But in that panel, when that discussion came up, it occurred to me that, you know, one big advantage, and I, I since I've thought about it, I think there are a lot more, but the one that first got me thinking about it was, you know, as an introvert, you guys, well, let me backtrack. You know what? It, introverts and extroverts come in all sizes and degrees, and, and we're all different to varying degrees. So I'm not trying to pigeonhole people, but by and large, the introverts that I've observed, they don't really care what people think of them. Um, and if you are an introvert, you may not realize what a huge advantage that is. Because an, as an extrovert, I'm like an annoying little puppy dog who's yapping at your heels like, oh, I want you to like me, like me, like me. Please like me. Why aren't you liking me? Why don't you like me? And you know, we, we spend a lot of time worrying about why people don't like us or what they're going to think of us and how could they not like us because we're so nice. 
And I think as an extrovert, you don't have that baggage. So relating that to real estate, you know, if you're if you're making an obnoxious offer to a seller, whereas my mind is going, oh, God, they're going to think I'm just horrible. I, I don't think extroverts care about that. And I think that in and of itself is a, is a huge advantage. <laughs> You've got you've got Mike and I cracking up here in the studio. <laughs> you're so you're so you're so descriptive about I'm I'm just yapping. Help like me, like me, like me. Um, okay, so so you you feel like introverts probably have less going on up in their heads that's stopping them from saying to somebody, um, yeah, okay, I heard you loud and clear. You want one eighty, but what I can do is a one ten. And that extroverts might have more of a, I shouldn't make that offer. I shouldn't make that offer. They won't like me if I make that offer. That's exactly, that's exactly how it feels. <laughs> okay. So how does it feel for you when you make that offer? What's going through your head? I think that, um, I think that you're, you're right in a lot of cases there. I mean, I think, you know, in, introverts typically, they, they just don't get energy from dealing with people. I, you know, everybody, when I tell them I'm an introvert, people just roll their eyes. There's like, there's no way you do a radio show. How could you possibly be an introvert? It's not about being able to talk to people, being capable of talking to people. It's about, do you get energy from interacting yeah. with other people or are you exhausted by interacting with other people? So I think introverts do tend to, kind of want to more get to the point with sellers because I mean it's an interaction right there's no way there's no way you are making an offer to a seller unless you're just doing it through MLS or something where you're not interacting with somebody on a on a fairly deep level I mean we ask them lots of questions right like why are you selling and what do you owe and things like that but I think it's maybe easier for an introvert to to get to that point of saying well here's what I can do and not feel like, golly, I really hope they still like me afterwards because not, that's not what they're in it for, right? That's not what they're in the discussion for. They're in the discussion to try and solve a problem. Introverts seem to seem to be largely also people who are like, let's get the problem solved, as opposed to let's yeah. go, let's go have some coffee and maybe we'll talk about the exactly. problem while we're having coffee. <laughs> Yes, and that's a huge amount of mental energy, I'm here to tell you. Um, yeah, I, there's a famous, I don't know if it's famous, Stephen Hawking quote that says, quiet people have the loudest minds. And, you know, I always I always relate that to, to being an introvert as well. And I've heard people say that, you know, introversion is, is a weakness when it comes to things like that, that like you described, that, that require interaction. But you know, I think as we've just pointed out, extroversion also has its challenges, and and introversion is only weakness if you believe it is. I think there's a lot of power in that sort of quiet reflection that that comes with with introversion, and and that ability that that you describe that is nothing for you, just just how it is. You you get to the point, and you don't clutter your mind with what they're thinking of you in the background. You know, in my mind, that's a superpower. So <laughs> that's um. That's awesome, but but you know I think um, there are other things where where introverts may uh, and and maybe it's not always an advantage, but where you can use you know introversion to your to your benefit, where it's where it helps you. I think that um, 
while introverts aren't necessarily better students, I think they sometimes have an easier time doing the research and, you know, they have the patience to spend that, that time reviewing things. And as we all know, that's a big part of real estate investing. And, you know, you personal action, personal interaction can be intermittent. You can't obviously, like you said, you can't get away from networking and real estate investing. I, I don't know how you could be successful without it, but you can, you can do it in your own way. You can plan your networking in advance. You know, you can mm-hmm. um, plan those interactions and maximize your results and minimize the energy that you expend to meet people because you've done that pre-planning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you one thing for, for certain, um, introverts do better with people that they are familiar with and comfortable with. Like, like take me to a party with a bunch of people I don't know First of all, you're going to drag me. And secondly, I'm going to be the one behind the potted plant playing with the owner's cat. <laughs> like, I, 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 that is just not a situation that I crave or am comfortable in or enjoy. But having a real estate association has been an absolute blessing for me networking wise, because I see the same faces month in and month out year after year and you know there's just a level of comfort with knowing that uh, oh there's Bob yeah I've seen Bob around for years I can go network with Bob much more comfortably than I could network at I don't know some meetup that met rarely and always had different people there so I think I think introverts probably probably will find that in real estate they will do much better if they can find a really good quality RIA group that, you know, has a good culture where people help each other and make themselves show up until they know people because it will be easier for them to network that way. Oh, heck yes. What a fantastic point. I mean, in in every RIA group that I know, you know, that's, that's your family. If you're doing it right and you're showing up, that's your family. And, and you're going to look at those people, you know, with much familiarity and networking will become natural even for an introvert because you're you're not having to make an effort at it um well you know at that same party that you're behind the potted plant i'm 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 i love talking to people i don't know hearing their stories telling them mine as you can tell um but you know what I'm, I, it for me it's a it's a chore to remember and i, I do it because i am now in the habit to network you know i'm i'm so I'll go to that party and not not think about being there for business or networking. I'm just like, God, I just want to talk and I want to, I want to meet new people. While while you know while while you're selective on who you talk about and, and probably end up being more focused. You know, I think introverts um, are genuine. That although they say far less than an extrovert when they do speak, th- their words carry a lot of meaning and purpose. You know, it's not so much um, idle chit chat. Um, if, if, if many extroverts, you know, overload the conversation with too much and can set off a BS meter, you know, whether or not it's warranted. Um, and I think extroverts also uh, have the ability to understand maybe um, needs um, that that which is, you know, one of the most powerful skill in sales is the ability to listen to someone, ask a brief question and continue listening. 
I think introverts are very good at that. And that, again, is, is really, um, if you use it correctly, a huge advantage as a real estate investor. Amen to that. That is absolutely right. All right, we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, we're going to answer listener questions about cannabis businesses and about Airbnbs. You can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Today's an X-Factor Investor Day with Kathy Russell, attorney, president of TRIA in Raleigh, real estate investor and serial entrepreneur. Uh, Kathy, we're going to go to some questions that have come in via uh, askvina at gmail.com. Way early on, like in the first five minutes of the show, you mentioned that you were invested in a cannabis business and we got a... Uh, an email from let me go back to the email itself so I can see who it's from uh, from Terry who says I'm very interested in this idea of cannabis business investing I've been offered such an investment several times but I'm concerned about the illegality of cannabis in Ohio the Deal that I was offered was in a business in California, but I understand that it's still federally illegal. Is it possible that I could make an investment and then the federal government could come in and shut down the business? That is an excellent question, and you have hit all the salient points, Terry. Uh, yes, yeah, spot on. Um, the, the one I'm invested in is in California. You are absolutely correct, although it is still federally illegal. It is remotely possible that the federal government could do something like that uh, personally and uh, now I uh, oftentimes when I'm talking to people I am very careful to distinguish between what I would give you as legal advice and what is my personal opinion um, my personal opinion is that that's not very likely I'm not a risk averse person and also Terry remember I put my time in. I didn't invest $50,000. Would I have felt differently if I was putting money in instead of, you know, just some work? I, I don't know. I, um, I may have, um, but you, you are spot on with your, with your questions mm-hmm. and your analysis. And I think, Terry, it's also meaningful to say that you should never invest in any business you don't understand how to evaluate uh, the, this the, this idea of investing both in cannabis businesses and in real estate that's related to cannabis businesses. So in other words, you buy the grow house and we'll rent it or you buy the land that we're going to grow the cannabis on. Or so, so it feels like a real estate investment, but there's also that risk Kathy just talked about. Um, they're very popular right now. I, I, I'm, I, I'm seeing yeah. these things pop up just constantly, you know, but we've got it. We're, we're doing a placement and, you know, $25,000 minimum and we expect the return to be this and this and this. That's all great. But if you don't understand how to analyze their underlying numbers, it's no different than you, I don't know, investing in a shopping mall when you don't understand how to evaluate a shopping mall. Absolutely. And if you don't talk to someone who does, because here's another thing, undoubtedly, it, let, let's say the federal government never does anything and the and this industry flourishes. Even so, there's a glut of those companies. 
And some of them are going to fail and some of them are going to, you know, become the next cannabis Amazon, if you will. Uh, So, you know, what I tell you I've done for my my kids, I've I've bought them all some little stocks and little cannabis companies, not spending a whole bunch of money. So if you're if you're intrigued by the industry, that that may be, you know, a, a safer way. To, uh, to do something like that. But yeah, what, what Vina said is extremely important. There's, there's so many facets to that industry. Um, and the one I'm invested in is a, is a particularly unique facet, but it, it could be everything from the dispensary to the grow house to uh, additives. I mean, it's, it's very diverse. So, so understanding it is crucial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And a question from Sally, who's from Dayton, Ohio. She says, I've actually wondered about this for a long time and now seemed like a good time to ask the question. I already own a property that I have been told would be a great Airbnb. And the thing that has stopped me from converting it is that I am an introvert. I feel like an Airbnb business probably requires you to be very friendly, very personable and love interacting with people. And I don't. Does Kathy agree with this? And if so, how does an introvert start an Airbnb? Oh, Sally, that's the best question. And my God, you are in the right place. I mean, we're talking about Airbnbs and introverts. I think you're a hundred percent, um, 360 on that. Here's the thing. Airbnb, you buy a house, uh, you, you, you know, you furnish it. That's the thing. You have to go in and furnish it and make it look cute. In, in the first one that I did, I didn't ever, I had never done it before. I bought it on a February 1st. I had stuck it on both Airbnb and Craigslist to see which got more traction. Mind you, unfurnished listing photos. I got like six Airbnb inquiries and one rental inquiry. So I'm going to Airbnb. The first Airbnb person wanted to move in six days after I bought it. (laughs) I didn't know at the time that I would never have a vacancy like I know now. I'm like, oh, my God, it has to be ready in six days. I hired someone. She sent me lists. I went on Amazon and ordered them. They showed up on the doorstep. Her and her husband came and put it together. And by God, it was furnished and ready to rent in six days. Now, have I ever interacted with any of those people? Never. Never. So you get your pretty pictures up. They speak for you. You write up a really nice introduction, you know, about the property. There's even a spot in Airbnb that says, will we see you, you know, as the host? Mine says, nope, we live elsewhere. I, I did for a while have one in my basement that I that I rented out, and I wrote on that one, we live here, but we're often not home, probably won't see you. Even as an extrovert, I really don't want to interact with my Airbnb guests. I just don't. That's not the person you want to be friends with. Anyway, you get, you set up your listing, you make your pretty pictures, you make your enticing description, and then you turn it loose on the world. People contact you uh, via the app, so you get a little message on your phone. So-and-so wants to um, rent your Airbnb for these dates, or perhaps you have automatic bookings turned on, and you just get a message that says, so-and-so has booked your place for these dates. Uh, You click OK. um, You make yourself up a couple little form messages before they check in, saying, welcome, here's what you need to know, here's our guidebook, here's how you check in. You send that same message to everyone the day or the day before they arrive, and you are com- 
oh my god it's an introvert's dream you do it <laughs> behind your computer screen you never have to be friendly charming or even interact with those people at all it's it's the perfect thing for an introvert wow sally it sounds like you are about to start your first airbnb kathy thank you so much sally, for yes. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today we are out of time Uh, But we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.